welcome to the Data Democracy. Presented by renowned O'Reilly author Ole Olsen Banyu. Empowered by Xenia. Make your data accessible and discoverable by anyone, anywhere, at any time. Sarah, hi. I'm happy to have you. Thank you. Very happy to be here today. And uh, for the listeners out there, hi, everybody. You're listening to The Data Democracy. I'm your host, Ole Olesen Banyer, Chief Evangelist in Zenea and the author of the Enterprise Data Catalog published by O'Reilly. In this podcast, we explore what a data democracy is. And today's guest is Sede Harvari. Sede is a data management freelancer focusing on data governance, data catalogs, and data modeling. I came across uh, Sede's profile on LinkedIn as she posted some quite qualified and in-depth views on why we keep making the same mistakes in data management and what we can do about it. And so to open the conversation, Seda, can you share a bit more on your professional experience and uh, what you do? Yes. Um, well, maybe if I start with the fact that this is now the first time that I'm starting as a, as a consultant or a freelancer, um, I've been working in the industry for 16 years, always with data. My um, mm -hmm. background is in data warehousing and BI development. Also worked as an analyst for some time there. And um, I've kind of been always working in the gap between the uh, data and then the people who use the data. So the people who use the data, they need to understand what is available so they can uh, fill their needs. And on the other hand, if they need new development, then someone needs to interpret that technically into what needs to be built. So this is kind of the, the space where I've always worked in. And um, this is also how I kind of got in, uh, excited or interested in the data catalog and the metadata area, because I see a lot of problems in this between area that I think that could be solved with uh, these uh, new uh, kind of uh, tools and uh, technologies and, and uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I very much agree. I mean, that's also kind of the space I've been in, um, uh, sitting between technology and 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 people or line of business. Right? I uh, personally experienced uh, the hassle of trying to implement a data catalog. Uh, I think it was six, seven years ago now, oh, and uh, you you get those dilemmas uh, when you when you try to to do something that really represent a, a, a technological picture uh, quite that is quite difficult uh, but you try to explain that to people with perhaps not that much of a technological experience is, is that kind of uh, what you have also to what extent does that mirror your experience yeah it it sounds very familiar so i i at some point i described my role as a babelfish you know from the uh, Bubble fish from the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. It's this, no, the, yeah, this fish see, you put in the. That, it's the one that, of the. It's the one of the books on my reading list. I'm really ashamed about not having read yet. So, so can you elaborate a bit on that one? Yeah. So it's first of all, great book. One of my favorites. Yeah. So the bubble fish is a, a, a tiny alien that you put in your ear, and it eats the kind of sound waves and then poops the correct language for you. So. That is how it operates. But this is, uh, in a sense, how I used to describe my role, that it's like I, I listen to the different uh, uh, languages 
that uh, techno technology, to me, technology is a language. Reporting mm -hmm. has its own language. Business has its own language. And then I interpret between these. So, yes, sounds very familiar. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I like that. I like that uh, image of the bubblefish a lot. Uh, I think that's very, very uh, correct. And I also agree on the fact of uh, technology being uh, being a language. Uh, how, how would you how would you characterize that language? Why why is it difficult for business users to understand? I think there's also a lot of like misinterpretations or kind of wrong ideas about what technology is. I mean, mm -hmm. um, and also maybe like this kind of preconceived ideas, for example, that technology is difficult or that coding is difficult, it's a language. If you can speak French, apparently you can't, I can't, but I can okay. do SQL. So I should be able to, to learn French if I, if I want, but so far yeah. I haven't. <laughs> so far I've thought that mm, I don't, maybe, maybe not the first thing, but I mean, it, it is a language, so it's not really difficult in a sense, but it's a different kind of language. And the words are expressing different things than the, the normal language. But I think that a lot of the difficulty is just that often we perceive technology as somehow very difficult when it's maybe just the fact that the information that we would like is not available. So it's it's not kind of difficult, but it's the, the somehow concealed. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think this is, I very much agree in this. I. I don't know to what extent uh, you mentioned prior to to the recording that we're doing now. You mentioned that uh, that you have re uh, read my book. I don't know to what extent that you sensed that perspective in my book, but I very much agree with you in 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 technology and data being being language. Mm. I think one of the problems uh, with technologists, with people working in IT department, is that they somehow tend to neglect that it's a language, right? Yeah, and often, I mean, the, in IT, people are usually very focused on technology. Mm -hmm. And um, I talk about, like, uh, my background is in data warehousing, so I understand data a lot through data warehouses. So the kind of idea that we put a lot of data together, we do something with it so it's more easy to use, and then mm -hmm. we use it for reporting. So. So I, I look at it from this perspective. Of course, if someone is like a process owner and working with uh, ERP tool, they're looking at data because they're producing it, not re reusing it. They're looking at it differently. But I think uh, that this uh, idea that that um, there is a, um, a language inside it and that the language should be something that we we should understand it the same way. I think that that's the problem that we don't have we don't have uh, shared words. This is also mm -hmm. one of the things why I like modeling, conceptual modeling so much is that it kind of forces this shared vocabulary to appear. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I very much agree, very much agree. So you did actually uh, modeling when you worked in uh, data warehousing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. or uh, well, not exactly when uh, with the data, well, with the data in the data warehouse. So uh, mm -hmm. when we did this with business, so uh, and conceptual models, unfortunately, at least at the moment, don't yet very well represent what is actually built in the data warehouse. So it's more like the idea of conceptual modeling is to describe the, the data in the business. But I hope mm -hmm. that this will come together 
uh, through like data mesh or other interesting concepts. I think that there's something that can bring this closer. Yeah, yeah. It is a quite a gap between um, the conceptual model modelings and, and, and the physical layers of, of data and technology, right? Mm. Speaking of, of language and technology, I think it is it is quite obvious that when you talk about SQL having both syntax and semantics, it it needs to be understood as as a human language to, of some sort, right? Mm. Um, and and I very much agree that that we need to do that. But to to a certain extent, I also feel that a lot of technologists are trying to take away the human element, the cultural element of technology. Is, is that also uh, something that you have seen or is that your, what, what is your, what would your approach be to uh, implementing uh, data catalogs with this kind of background? Well, I think that some of the, the things that I've thought a lot about or some of the revelations I had that well, I was part of choosing the data catalog for my previous company, which was the UPM. And mm -hmm. um, I also uh, lived with this choice for three years, building the catalog. So um, there, there the idea was that the catalog was very strongly tied to the governance, uh, data governance initiative. And mm -hmm. I, a, lot, but a lot of what I see in companies is that they're trying to build the data catalog like separately without any kind of uh, data governance framework. So they're just trying to build the tool, but mm -hmm. it, it's a tool. I mean, I, how I formulate this is that there is like data governance and its tools, data catalog and data modeling. So I think that that to build a, a good functioning data catalog, well, technically it can function just fine, but if you want actually for the end users on the business side also to get value out of it, then it would be very important that it's it's kind of um, developed together with them and that there is this uh, idea of the framework of the governance behind which is driving kind of your which is driving how you develop the data catalog and what you enable it in it the ne next so mm -hmm. I, I think that these really have to go together so you have to involve business you can't develop it as an it that's the that's the number one way to, to kind of get it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Very much agree. Very much agree. It, it, it goes back to like the fundamentals of uh, domain-driven design, right? Uh, for example, as Eric Evans uh, formulated it. Also, you mentioned data mesh. That's the revival of, of domain-driven design for data, right? Mm. Trying, trying to design, trying to implement technology and model data without taking into account uh, the subject matter expertise of the domains themselves is it's a pretty dangerous uh, approach right because yeah, yeah what well, yeah. Uh, yeah that is a uh, have you seen that well i would say that what what i've seen kind of before um and also before we started this initiative in my previous company is that there is this kind of division or that IT is very central around pipelines. So we build pipelines, uh, mm. these 
but again, I will stay in the data warehouse context. So we have source mm -hmm. systems, we have ETLs or other accelerators that take data, do stuff to it, and then we put it in the warehouse and then it's usable. And mm -hmm. But there can be this green noise effect that the pipeline is working perfectly and everything is green and it's performing uh, in a beautiful time and everything, but the end users are unhappy because the pipeline is working fine, but the content inside the pipeline, the reason why we actually built the pipeline, the data, this is not good. So there is oh, this mismatch no. between like technology, like the pipeline and the stuff that runs in the pipeline. And um, uh, this, I think this is the, the thing that we are not really focused on the stuff that runs in the pipeline, we're focused on the, the pipeline. That's the wrong thing. Of course, the pipeline also needs to work. But this stuff that runs in the pipeline is the actual value bit. And describing this is, to me, the uh, purpose of the kind of uh, uh, catalog. So that you can understand what we are producing and what is the value and how it's produced and what you can use for this. I think that is a very, very good way of explaining this uh, dilemma, Seda. I think. The simplicity you just mentioned here, the pipeline runs, but the data inside it is not valuable. It's not something that the end users can actually use. That is a very, very precise way of describing the distinction between IT and business and, and what they value. Because the pipeline from a technological perspective is running, but what is inside it, it is not uh, something that the end users can actually use. Yeah. If we move towards the topic of, of this podcast, data democracy and how we democratize data, how how would you, you, you have touched upon it already, but how would you describe, what is your ambition? How do you actually change this reality from the reality of running pipelines with poorly defined data in them towards a state that is more democratized, where you democratize data better for the business? for the sake of the business. Can you elaborate on that? Yeah, well, I think that if we think about democracy as a term in general, then mm -hmm. uh, every inside every democracy, there is governance mm -hmm. of some type. And idea of governance inside a democracy is that uh, governance should represent the, like the interest of the majority of, of the people. And if we involve majority of the people in data, then governance can't be an IT-led initiative. It can't, it can't live inside IT. It can't be just one team that does it. So it has to be uh, something we do together. So uh, uh, both IT and business together. Um, what I see as some of the, how do you say, things that are not, why this is not happening, is that there is usually knowledge gap inside from on the usage side, so on the business side, in the people. So I said they don't really understand the language of the tech, and they can't see what data is available or how how they could use this, or if it's available for them, or if you can combine it with this. And I said the, the apples versus oranges famous problem, where you have three numbers of the same thing, and instead of debating what we should do in the business, we are debating which number is correct. Mm -hmm. So, um, but what this requires is that business actually has to claim the ownership of the data. So they have to yeah. say that 
we own the stuff that runs in the pipelines. You own technology. We work together. And that is like how I, that is what I want to promote. And then for this, there are tools. I mean, I'm a tech person, so I'm, I think tools, um, tools should make your life better. This is not how people view IT tools or BI tools or warehouses, but they actually are built to make your life better. So I want to like, I want to see that you get business value out of the catalog, you get business value out of the models. And I want to see that the data governance initiatives are built like on the culture of that business, because you can't really, um, you can't force these kind of things. They have to, you have to build them inside the existing processes of the company. So these are the kind of things that I want to work on and, and improve. Because as I said, I see so much potential in the data catalog to help, but the implementations that have come out of it um, they are not usually giving the value that is that is possible. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I very much agree, and that is very much the philosophy behind the well, this podcast and um, in general my initiative with uh, data democracy. It's the fact that it, I think it's very uh, simple and clear the way you put it that IT tools should make life better, right? Yes. They should actually provide service and capabilities to people instead of pain. and uh, uh, come again instead of pain yes and instead frustration. of pain yeah exactly exactly and so <clears throat> um and so that's a big paradox that you see these implementation of technologies also of data catalogs that are not helping the business but instead they are actually hurting the business they shouldn't be hurting the business they should be helping the business and and that is why as i see it we we should work very very hard on democratizing data i think your point about data governance being for the majority of the employees is a very very simple and good way to to simply uh, think of data governance many data governance functions uh, tend unfortunately to do the exact opposite Right. Yeah. So there is like this huge. I've seen these like initiatives where they take a framework which comes from outside, mm -hmm. um, and then they try to implement that in like force that into the company. But mm -hmm. I, each company has a culture. When you go into a company, that's the first thing you need to learn. How do I get things done in this company? So. Mm. You also need to fit data into the existing data culture. So we have to build these things inside it. And I always say that data governance is not a separate process. It's not some new process that you build on top of your ex existing processes, but it steps inside your existing processes with which you ensure trust and quality, that you can trust what is coming out of it and you have quality. So it's just... Uh, something that you in, you need to inbuild it into the culture that these things are taken care of. You can't stamp it over like that it's a review done once a year that how did we do? Mm -hmm. You have to do it. It has to be an everyday effort. And again, for that, you need tools. So you can't, yeah. you can't it, data governance is not an Excel exercise. 
So, <laughs> at, well, but no one has at least shown me yet how you could manage it through Excel. So I don't, I, I, I think it it needs something more. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, you mentioned that you implemented a data catalog for three years. Yeah. Yeah. So so uh, to what point would you describe it as a success? The implementation, if you want to share that. Well, I think that um, the work that we did uh, at UPM it was uh, uh, groundbreaking in in many sense because uh, of the approach that was taken there. So there, the data governance was implemented like top down. Uh, I talk sometimes about top down, bottom up. Uh, so top down idea is that you first like build your governance structure and you uh, you use modeling to define like your uh, key concepts that you that this is the what we want to ownership for and then you assign ownership and the first use case for the data catalog there was uh, storing these uh, concepts and ownership so it, it started the implementation there very heavily together with the data governance initiative and i think that um, we were growing that body of knowledge so we were kind of collecting there an, an enterprise level repository of data and also knowledge about the the data how it's where it's where and where it's physically implemented so the language of the data and also how it is used in practice so this is then the language of reporting so we were bringing quite a lot of metadata um, so i think that i i was very happy with kind of the the overall uh how do you say uh, framework that we developed about how things go together but i think that maybe the thing that was lacking there was that getting um the business people who had these data roles really functioning in the roles because mm. you, you can say that someone is a data owner but that doesn't mean that they're going to actually do the work and if they're no. not doing the work then they are not really uh, they are not yearning for you to implement something so you are kind of the second in line yeah yeah and that is one of the difficulties of data democratization of of, a, of of practicing a data democracy that is that people have they have a hard time taking on the responsibility it actually takes uh, it's a blend right of of duties and 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 rights if you if you want to democratize data you you have yeah. to play an active part right so I think that is very difficult. But did you have regular meetings or like uh, reminders? Did you were you able to to actually engage end users to take that data ownership there and their responsibilities? There was trainings about it, but I think that there wasn't enough. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I I don't think you can ever train enough. No. Agreed. Um, and also, you have to understand that in a large corporation, these roles are going to change very mm. often because people yeah. are changing between companies inside the company. Uh, some, uh, the businesses are doing organizational changes. So there is always someone who is new to this. Mm. So mm. you would really have to have this kind of very strong like framework. Uh, but it's not only the people who are in the data roles, because I think that those people, if you work daily with data, you understand the problem. So you understand like 
what you want to fix and on what's the benefit of fixing it. But I think that the bigger problem is how to convince the middle management that this mm -hmm. is something that you should spend your time on because time mm -hmm. is money. So yeah. I, I think that is kind of getting the buy-in from there that this will, that this, that putting time into describing your knowledge of the data. So your tacit knowledge and putting it in the catalog that that will actually be pay off in the future. Because you talked about that, that do I consider um, what, uh, like my experience, do I consider it a success? I do. But now if you would ask me that, how do I demonstrate that mm -hmm. monetarily mm -hmm. or with Euroscience, then that's really difficult because how do you value, how do you value that you can now get some data faster than you got before, or you can understand it better? I mean, it can end up costing you more if you notice that the quality is not there mm -hmm. or you notice that, hey, this, this, we have had this issue with this KPI for a long time now that I can see like how this is actually calculated. Uh, this can cost you money because you have to fix it. So mm -hmm. it's, um, so I, I think that this is one of the, the bigger challenges that what are the correct KPIs that you should use to show that you are actually delivering value with this kind of initiatives. Yeah, yeah. That is a, a, a big question, but of course, even a data democracy would need uh, KPIs. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, and I am very certain, I, I very much agree that it's difficult. Uh, it's a difficult task. We simply need to find out how, how do we measure a, uh, a data democracy. I, ideally, ideally, you would have some, something very simple where you can say, okay, take the picture of, of the data pipeline you mentioned before. You have a running pipeline. It works from a technological perspective. Mm. But what is inside it doesn't work. The data itself, what it's transporting, is meaningless. And if you had some kind of KPI measuring the change in that, that would be that would be awesome, right? That would be pretty awesome. And yeah. <laughs> that, that would kind of make um, proving your point because with technology that that if um, if you own something and you're trying to build something, you're always competing with everything else that is being owned and built at the same time. So mm -hmm. you have to be able to prove value. But, mm -hmm. but this, this is, and I guess to me, how I thought that is that would be the easiest way to tie data initiatives into in and value is that if there is some kind of um, if in a company there is a data strategy. Um, this can, of course, be quite varying in, in quality. But if you can tie what you are doing into the strategy, then that would be a really good way or build your KPIs around the strategy. But I mean, I think this actually this idea of like measuring data democratization as a whole instead of like measuring certain initiatives, like just from a very narrow point of view, that's actually a very interesting idea. That that would yeah. that would bring completely different KPIs. I think it would. Uh, yeah, I'm going to work more on that. Yeah. We should be in touch. We should be in touch on that. Yes, series. definitely. It's a very <laughs> very interesting idea. Yeah, thank mm -hmm. you, thank you. Likewise, yes. Yeah. Sorry, now sure. I started thinking about it. Okay. 
No, but that's perfect. That's it. You know, the the, the entire purpose of this podcast is to explore this. I don't have all the answers. I don't. No one has. Data democratization is the process of cloud-based technologies, making data open, accessible, discoverable, right? Not necessarily in that order, but... Mm -hmm. But that is what happening is happening with modern technology. But no one of us seems to know where we're going, right? So that's what we're examining here at, in this podcast. So I think that is a very, very good idea, Sadie. And yeah. I will, I will reach out on that one later on. Yeah, and um, I, I think that this is also like part of why I wanted to go into into freelancing because I I I feel like that I. I did quite a lot of cooperations with different companies around this, so I have seen other implementations, but it is so true that there isn't like a, I call the data catalog a startup. So it, it's a mm -hmm. kind of startup. So you try something, if it works, you keep it. If it doesn't work, you ditch it. And yeah. I think that why I like this area is that there isn't like, there isn't a Gardner report that explains us what exactly what we should do. That doesn't no. exist yet. No, okay, no. we can debate if that's the definite truth, but this is often like that, okay, there is this Gardner initiative like or a report, like this is how yeah. you do it and you, you succeed. So that's, that doesn't exist. So it's, um, that's why it's also like a like super interesting area because it's, it's the unknown, like yes. the, the new. Exactly new um new world hmm. yeah it makes you curious right yeah yeah okay so that it was a pleasure to uh to have you uh, on the show i hope to uh, to stay in in touch thank you okay so these are the takeaways from my conversation with Sadie. first of all the data leader takeaways the first takeaway is you should consider yourself a babblefish, meaning that you should listen to the various technologies that you are looking to implement and you should really understand what they're trying to say. And you should be able to translate that into the language of the business users. That is your obligation as a data, data leader. And uh, second, you should never ever implement data technologies without uh, a data governance framework that is uh, being implemented in parallel or already being implemented. And then third, consider data ownership. It's difficult and it's delicate. And in order to get data ownership up and running, you need to establish thorough training of data ownership responsibility in your organization. It's your duty as a data leader to do that and you will not get a lot of results out of data uh, technologies and your data agendas in general if you do not do them. Okay, some data democracy takeaways. First of all, consider that data is like language. It's not exact science and you shouldn't uh, establish a data democracy if you think that you can do it on uh, the principles of exact science. Data is just subtle, it's difficult and you need to accept that. The second takeaway uh, for data democracy is that a data democracy supported by data catalog should be developed and driven forward by a data governance framework. Your data democracy will not thrive and establish yourself without it. And third, um, running technology in itself is not a proof of a well-functioning data democracy. 
you need to examine and understand the data that is running in this technology to actually ascertain that you have uh, approached the data democracy. As Seda said, the pipeline can be running just fine, but the value of the data inside it can be close to zero uh, just at, uh, in parallel, and that doesn't work. So you need to ascertain that not only the technology is running, but that also the data inside it has value to the business. That's it. These were the takeaways.